going to turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to continue on in our series of the good and beautiful life. Now, Jesus invites us into his kingdom. And he says things like, you are salt, you are light. But there's also warnings that our righteousness must surpass that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Otherwise, we'll certainly not enter this kingdom that he invites us into. And many of the statements that Jesus goes on to say are comparative statements between what the Pharisees often are putting forward to people and what he wants to actually bring clarity around what is this good and beautiful life that he came to bring, the kingdom that he came to bring to this world. I, in a previous occupation, it's getting further and further away, uh, was an engineer, and uh, I was a mechanical engineer for a manufacturing company who did uh, boiler making, machining, uh, all that kind of thing for the oil and gas and mining sector. And there was one particular time where I was doing a tender for an expansion for Woodside. They, they were doing a whole gas plant expansion. And what I was tendering for was like a $2 million project for some very basic things. It's a lot of money for, for not much. Lots of metal that plugs up pipes. That's all it pretty much was. Um, so I did the things like get some material prices together. I'm working with my team of people to work out what, how many hours it's going to take us to, to make what they've asked us to make. And I submitted that tender. Yep, within the time frame, you know, Woodside, they've got some awesome stringent what has to happen, the quality and all that kind of thing. So we got all that all sorted. And I was just cleaning up some of the documents from uh, putting in that tender, and I realized that I had neglected to double the amount of material that I needed. So I just based everything on there's one of them. But actually, there was two parts of this package. It was I needed two lots of everything. There's like hundreds and thousands of dollars I hadn't put in my tender. At that very moment, my question of, what shall I do? <laughs> do I keep it to myself? Do I tell someone? How am I going to tell them if I do? Do I blame someone else for doing it? I remember even my boss, who would often check off my tenders, because I was still a fairly junior guy in the midst, and he, he would say, did you double check it? And I remember saying, yes. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> did I lie? Was I just being like, what was I saying at the time? So I was in this predicament. I go back to the client. You know, my reputation to tell everyone that I've made the mistake. What's that going to do for my job? How's it going to look for our company to be putting bids in? to Woodside and like, will they trust us again? Have you ever lied? Have you ever found yourself in a conversation, just even just an everyday conversation saying, yeah, I've read that book, I've watched that movie, I've played that game, even though you never have. You're just saying to kind of, so you can be a part of the conversation. 
Or, yeah, let's definitely get together soon. You walk away. I'm not inviting them over. Or you answer the phones at work and they, you know your boss doesn't want to talk to that person. It's like, he's just in a meeting. Can't see you now. Have you ever done that? Parents, maybe you've uh, said a few lies to your children about our TV doesn't get that show. Or uh, I, remember, I remember using this one on our boys. It's sort of a half-truth. Uh, if you don't put your seatbelt on, the police might come, uh, just to try and get them into the car. Um, if you touch that button, it might shock you. You know, just these little tiny lies. Now, children are quite good at lying to their parents as well, but they've got a different way of engaging. I'll just show you a little video that's going to come up on the screen. Thank you very much, Denzel. How did the marker get on your... He's playing that one through. We're going to stick with the story. You know, as, uh, as you get older, you get better at perhaps hiding our lies um, in different ways. But kids, their kind of body language gives them away often, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I think we get a bit more subtle and strategic. And I think about, I've been wrestling with this during the week and thinking, what kind of lies do I tell? And I think... It's probably about cleaning up my intentions to make me sound thoughtful. Um, you know, I kind of tell a story behind my actions to make me actually look better than I really am, to put me in a good light. You know, when we ask ourselves the question, do I actually like lying? You know, why do I choose to do it? You know, offers offers a little gain for a high risk often. And uh, we offer us a sense of how, what can we get away with. So we, we're often fairly good on ourselves, but when you think about it, do you like being lied to? Definitely not. <laughs> we're, we're all quite pretty quick on that one. It feels disrespectful. We don't like it at all. Now, perhaps after all that, we think about, we suspect that we lie more than we initially think. Because we've got this whole system of rationalization, of justifying our deceptions to other people. And maybe if as you hear this talk today, that would be something you're wrestling around. And am I justified in, in doing particular, saying particular things, certain actions? Jesus said these words, he kind of put it in the terms of a relevant issue of the time about making oaths. I want to speak into the lying space. And he says, Matthew 5, 33. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. This is what they've heard long ago. Jesus, what he's quoting here is not quite kind of the Mosaic law, the, Mo the law that Moses gave, but it's not far from that general direction either. This first oath he's talking about um, is one made to God, and it's a vow, vowing that it will not break this vow to God. Um, and it so it opens up the door of God holding them account accountable if we break it, whatever vow that is made. Now Moses in different parts um, of the writings in the first five books of the Bible and he, he kind of 
talks quite a bit about actually uh, using, uh, saying about these vows. And here's a few scriptures just quickly. You shall not take the, Lord, the name of the Lord your God in vain. This is the third commandment. Uh, in the NIV, this is from the ESV, you shall not misuse the Lord's name. Or you shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. So it's like the idea of swearing, but it's like an oath kind of swearing, not as in like um, you're using a bad language. It goes on to say, when a man vows a vow to the Lord, he shall, break, he shall not break his word. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not be slack to pay it. It's like sticking to your word. You might have heard the phrases even in a modern sense. You know, I swear by the name of God, I will do it. Or by God, I will do this. So help me God if I don't do this. You might have heard people speak in that way. You might have said that. But Jesus goes on with this instruction. You've heard it said... But I tell you. So you've heard people say this is how you make an oath. Um, do not break your oath. Fulfill the Lord, the vows you've made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. He's like nearly complete opposite here. Why would Jesus say such a thing? Well, he'd recognize that at the time that he's speaking, that the Pharisees, who were religious leaders at that time, had moved, had shifted people's attention away from the making a vow to, to keep your word, and they were actually starting to get a bit of a formula together about how to make a vow. So they actually emphasized more on the idea, if in that first phrase back here, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, on the emphasis of like basically swearing using God's name. So that was like profanity, using the divine name, rather than the word perjury, as in a dishonest pledging of one's word. So you can see how if you emphasize, should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, so misuse his name incorrectly, it's actually to do with more the second one. You should not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of the Lord. Meaning, don't just put all your issues on God and say, my oath is uh, against him. Well, you know, he's going to verify. Um, sorry, I've got myself in a knot just there. So they deliberate these, got these elaborate rules together for taking vows. Jesus picks up, it's more clear in this other passage in Matthew 23. Read these words. When he was speaking to the Pharisees again, he calls them blind guides. Woe to you blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? So that's the second temple, kind of picture of the second temple, a remaking of it um, of the time. You've got the gold kind of there, and you've got the the main temple there as well. He's saying, which one should you swear by? Which one do you make your oath by? Second example he gives in that same passage, as, and as you say, if anyone wears, swears by the altar, it is nothing. 
But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. See how they set up these formulas? You do an oath by one thing, and it's meant to be important. You say an oath by something else, and it's not as important. You don't have to keep your word in the same kind of way. How does Jesus respond to this? He says, So he who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. He's pointing out that no matter what you swear on, whatever you put your oath on, these are all God's creation. You can't put restrictive formulas on which thing you make an oath by and which ones you don't. So as we come back to the scripture that we are reading first from Matthew 5, you've heard that it was said, do not break an oath, but I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. And he goes on to this similar thing to the Matthew 23, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Jesus is basically dismantling the whole formula, making an oath with a formula kind of thing. However hard you try, you cannot avoid some reference to God, for the whole world is God's world. You cannot eliminate him from any of it, whether it's speaking of heaven, Jerusalem, even by your head. Now, your head is, you know, swearing by your own head, it is your head, yes. But it's your head comes from God's creation. You are under God's control. We cannot even change our natural color of one single hair. Some people would we'd like to. You can, but it doesn't last, does it? Which is basically pointing out you, you're not in control. <laughs> God's in control. So however humans like to devise a formula to make their oaths, to pretty much say, I'm going to be truthful in this situation, and then in another situation say, I'm not going to make an oath by that, so I have less accountability. It's actually trying to actually set up space for lying. What's Jesus' solution? All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. He doesn't want us to play religious games, trying to set up when we'll be honest and when we won't. He wants us to be direct. He wants us to be honest. Can I do it? Yes. Can I not do it? Yeah, I can't do it. No. I don't know if you uh, have bought something very recently with something at a price tag on it. I don't know if you know where price tags come from. But it actually came from people called the Quakers, if you're familiar with them, as uh, a set of Christians with a um, sort of a particular way of going about their Christian faith. And one of the things that they were particularly very thorough about was having plain speech. Speaking without spin or deception. 
And so Quakers, they saw the whole practice of haggling for a price, that you would buy something. Some of you probably love doing that. I'm really hopeless at it. Um, so I'm glad there's a price tag on things. Um, but they actually invented the price tag to actually say, you know, I don't want to lie. I don't want to sort of give people less than what they deserve for their prices and other way around. If I'm a shopkeeper, I don't want to steal from them. They saw it as a, as a sense of lying. That's why they invented the price tag. You could always trust that that's what the price was going to be. Why do we lie? Why do we do this? Why did the Pharisees make up kind of these rules to kind of shape where truth could truly land, when they had to be honest and when they could be less honest? Perhaps we say internally, I don't have to deal with someone else's hurt feelings if I tell the truth. Or it's just a white lie, you know, it meant no harm. Or if I told the truth, I'd get in trouble. You know, like my situation in engineering with my, my tender, you know, I'm going to get in trouble if I really bring this out. Or the end justifies the means. There's two things that are usually going on for us. One is fear. We avoid what we don't want. We think there's going to be consequences if we tell the truth. Second one is desire. We want to get what we want. And so we adjust the truth. You know, remember that video of those kids kind of, you know, trying to work out how can they get away from telling the truth? That's fear at play. You know, our bodies, we, as we get older, we can sort of hide a little bit more, but that's why they have lie detector tests and stuff, you know, that our bodies can give us away in that way. There's a nervousness. What about desire? Perhaps if we don't have the intention to hurt people, but we want to get ahead. We think our needs are greater than anyone else's right at this moment. You know, it's similar to anger that we talked a few weeks ago, where we think it's, um, it can be all about me and I'm alone in this and I need to fight my way forward. But lying over time begins to destroy the integrity of our souls. Jesus said these words, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? So what does the good and beautiful life, living without lying, look like? Basically, Jesus' point, as he was speaking alongside uh, the ideologies of the Pharisees, was that honest people do not need to resort to oaths. Because when they say something, you know you can trust it. If you have to put an oath, kind of little a caveat alongside every time you are about to say something, then you're kind of ducking around a little bit, trying to actually work out, you know, to get people to, to trust you. But the kingdom of God doesn't run on deception. We know that the character of God is that he is truth. He cannot lie. His spirit not only leads us into truth, but is truth. And the character of his people then in his kingdom, as we are led by the spirit, led by his truth, 
we become truth tellers by nature. I don't know if you have to tell yourselves this week as you're doing the different things in your life, maybe just thinking, if you follow Jesus, I'm a truth teller. That's what I do. That's who I am. That's living in the kingdom. Paul, in one of his letters, he says, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. You know, when we live in the kingdom, when we're children of the king, we can risk telling the truth. Because the kingdom is not in trouble. The kingdom is solid. If we stand in the kingdom, we are on firm ground. Often we feel like if we're going to risk telling the truth, everything's going to fall apart. At that moment of that tender when I'm like, I've made this huge error. How will I be seen? What will my reputation be? And when we live in the kingdom, we can handle the consequences of truth. And there might be significant consequences of being truthful. It might cost you money. It might cost you your job. But we are not trying to please people in this situation. We are seeking to be in alignment with God. When we know whose we are, God's children, and where we live in God's kingdom, we are able to be straightforward, simple, clear, and honest. So the kingdom addresses the two problems that we have with these reasons to lie. Fear, first of all. We can let go of our fears when we live under God's rule and reign. We might be experiencing discomfort. I can't tell the truth about my tax because I need the money to get by. The kingdom says, I can tell the truth and God promises to provide what I need. It looks like I'm going to lose money out on this point, but he will sort it out in another way. Remember, he loves to give good gifts. Maybe the discomfort is, if I tell my friends that I don't really know the game, movie, book that they're talking about, rather than put on a kind of front, like I feel like I won't have any friends anymore. But the kingdom kind of message into our hearts is people are actually a little bit more than just that one book and that one movie and that one game. There are probably heaps of things you could talk about. And if we ask God, maybe you put some suggestions on how, what could we talk about? Even within their, their game, movie, like they might be talking about the fight between good and evil. Well, you can talk about that. You don't know the book, the game, the movie but you can talk about what they're talking about in that way. Maybe there's embarrassment. If I tell the truth, I'll be ashamed by my actions. The kingdom word to us is, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us. There are ways to live beyond lying we can move from not being trusted to being trustworthy to actually being someone that encourages with our words that actually builds people up 
And you're thinking about this idea as we finish up today. You know, keep your word. Are you a person that is known for keeping your word? Are you known as trustworthy? Or do people shy away from giving you responsibility or trust because of perhaps lies that you've told in the past or half-truths? Maybe that trust can be built. When someone asks you to keep this confidential, you do. When you come to meet someone at a particular time, you arrive when you said you would. That you're ready to admit your mistakes. That you have integrity in your finances. That's about keeping your word, but maybe we can speak truth over other people, even as we meet after the service today. Maybe speak a truth about who they are in God, that they are of value, that He loves them, that God is listening to their prayer. That's a truth that we can share with one another, being people of truth rather than staying away from the lies. You know what I mean? Because that looks much more like the good and beautiful life. To say, I'm a truth teller. I go around telling people truth. Now, there's a point at which there's the question of where's the limits of my honesty? You know, do I go around just saying everything that's in my mind? I'm just being truthful. You know, and you're kind of smashing people left, right, and center. It's like, yeah, you look really overweight today, and you know, whatever, you know, whatever's coming on your mind. There's actually some people that live that way. There's this guy, um, a radical honesty movement, and they're like, just tell it like it is. And I've often heard people say to me, tell it like it is, um, except it's great when you're the one telling it like it is. It's not very good when you're receiving being told like it is. Um, so just be wary of that one. So we have a scripture that speaks to that. It says, instead, this is in Ephesians 4, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is head that is the Christ. That is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. The truth comes in the context of love. Love is our highest goal. So sometimes revealing what we're truly feeling is not going to be the loving thing to do. <laughs> It needs to be put aside, a lot, sorry, alongside wisdom. Just because you feel it doesn't mean it's the truth. It could be your opinion. And in a setting even we're in right now, in our society, the whole COVID thing and all that, there's plenty of opinions. But what is speaking the truth in love going to look like? So as we consider Jesus' words, all you need to say is simply yes or no. We don't have to find a way to be untruthful. Actually, he's calling us into living as children of his kingdom. We are truth tellers. We are looking to his truth. We are looking to replicate his character, him in us. Let's pray. Lord God, if there's anything that we have going on in our lives where we're wrestling with this question of shall I tell the truth 
or not. Lord, speak into our hearts that we would know ourselves as your children, the truth tellers, the one who belongs to the person who is truth and by which every other uh, questionable thing comes up, uh, sort of stands alongside and is found to be truthful or untruthful. You are the standard of truth. Lord, may we find the good and beautiful life to live, not finding how do we get away with stuff and not living in fear, but actually living in confidence so that we can stand strongly in your kingdom, speaking truth wherever we are, speaking truth in love. Lord, when we're actually affected by lies that have come to into our life, Lord, bring your healing to us. We might be thinking of one thing right now where someone has lied to us and that still hurts. Or would you minister to that place in our life that we'd be free from that? Maybe there's consequences and there's things that need to be done to bring that healing. But Lord, in our heart of hearts, may we be secure in you. Lord, guide us this week as we seek to put this into practice to live more into your good and beautiful life that you put before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.